are here, I will indulge. Um, just again, it is good to be here. In case you don't know, my name is Tim. Um, I've been here about five weeks now, and I am so thrilled to be able to stand, to be here at this church with you and be able to stand up here today and share a message. And I pray that God's word will come through my feeble attempt. So that is my prayer as we begin this morning, as we begin talking about absolute surrender, the greatest miracle, I think. The picture from the movie is ingrained in my mind. I can see the road. I can see the dusty brown car, an old Oldsmobile or something like that, an old Chevy pulling up, being driven by an older gentleman with white hair with those wrinkles that just tell you this guy knows, has been around, is knowledgeable. His young nephew gets out of the car And he leans over to him as he walks away what's going to be one of the last times he sees his nephew in this movie. This is not real. Um, Leans over to him and says, with great power comes great responsibility. Who knows who I'm talking about? Spider-Man, Peter Parker. That's right. So that was a big epic story sounding thing about a superhero. But I love that line, with great power comes great responsibility. Because often, I think we want Jesus, we want God to act in our lives like he is a superhero coming to our rescue. That Jesus will be there in a moment's notice, and he will be. I'm not saying that's not true, but so often we want God to act more like the superheroes that we see. However, God's greatest miracles, his great power, come in our greatest need. God's greatest power comes in our greatest needs. So I invite you to open up your Bible, pull out your tablet, your device, or if you forgot this morning... The important verses will be up on the screen. We're going to look at a group of people this morning who were backed into a corner, who are at their wit's end, so to speak. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter. We're going to look at the story of the Israelites as they're leaving Egypt. We're going to actually start in Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13 begins the process of them leaving. And the Bible says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Helps if I don't block it. God said, if the people are faced with a battle they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. The line that jumps out in there, well, there's a lot of stuff, but the line that jumps out is God led them in a roundabout way. 
Are any of you today feeling like God is leading you in a roundabout way? Have you ever said, God, why don't you just get me there straight away as fast as you can? But with God, there's always a reason. I grew up in the Midwest, Kansas to be specific, and went to college in Lincoln, Nebraska. I always prided myself with being a super sleuth, uh, not really a sleuth, but just being super in tune with directions. You could spin me around a hundred times, and when I came out of my coma, I would be able to tell you which way was north and south and east and west. I was an epic human compass. In fact, in Lincoln, Nebraska, it's kind of interesting. It just It's super easy to get around. It's a grid, and it's lettered and numbered. Okay, so you can find anywhere you want to go. And in fact, the only road there that has a little bit of angular curvature to it is called Normal. They named the street with curves Normal. <laughs> I think we, they were wanting a little, to feel a little bit like... They had something to move around out there in Lincoln, Nebraska, where there's nothing to dodge for miles. However, I moved to California. And I started coming to Sacramento. My reference point was I-80, which kind of goes east, but not really. It's more going south. And so... In like one of the first months that I was here, we were meeting up with some friends, and somehow we went, I, was, I went down, to, I, I was driving, okay, and I'm telling you, I pride myself, and just tell me which way to go, and I can smell it out. So we, we come down 80, and we do something, I don't remember what, but I remember we got on Madison, because we drove by the ABC and other things, and we went to Folsom. In my mind, the entire time, I was driving south. And I was like, man, this is a long ways away. So we go there, and I think that I know the way back home. And so in trying to get the nearest way home, I actually take Madison. This is home being Grass Valley, so Auburn, Grass Valley. Um, I take Madison back to I-80 because that just seems like the way to do it, because in, in the square land, that's what you do. You just take the road just right back away. So I drove all the way, basically, to the edge of Sacramento to drive all the way back up into the foothills in the Grass Valley. It was a roundabout way. And if the Israelites had any sense, I don't know if they had maps or understood where they were after 400-plus years of being in captivity... I don't know if that information had been shared. But if it had, they probably were saying, why on earth, God, are you taking us the roundabout way? But God always has a plan. And God's way is not always going to be the straightest, shortest way possible. God may lead us on a journey. Because God wants us to understand one thing, and he wanted the Israelites to understand one important thing. God puts us, and he put the Israelites in a situation where only his miraculous power, 
Oh, that was supposed to be epic, and it's supposed to be up there. There it is. Let me try that again. God put the Israelites in a situation where only his miraculous power could deliver them. God's one desire is for us to know that he is in charge. God wants us to know that he is leading us. And so when we follow the shepherd, wherever he may go, it sometimes isn't going to be the straightest, most direct route to what we want. But God is in control. The Israelites needed to realize that because the challenges they would have faced had they not gone around the roundabout way would have been going through a land where they would have been destroyed because they were not prepared to fight. They were not trained. They did not have the weapons. Even though they went out prepared, the Bible says they went out ready for war, they did not need to fight because God wanted them to know that he was in charge. The story continues, and they march on this way. They go around out to a point where they go pretty much as far as they can. They're hemmed in by the sea and the mountains, and God tells them to camp facing the mountain. I I always think about that as just like, I want you to make sure that you realize something is in your way. And so they, they camp, and they're there, and they're getting frustrated because at this point in time, Pharaoh begins to change his mind. Pharaoh begins to say, I've made a mistake. I think that these ten events that have happened to me recently probably were just coincidental. I'm going to go chase these people down. And the Israelites, as they're camping, they're facing this big mountain, realizing they can't go this way, with the big sea behind them, realizing they can't go that way, begin to see the sun glint off of the shields begin to hear the pounding hoof, the pounding horse hoof beats. Wow, that was not very poetic. They began to hear the horses galloping. There we go. The horses galloping along. And they cry out. They cry out to God and to Moses and they say, Why did you bring us here to die? Why did you bring us here out here to die in the wilderness. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you, there's a speaker in my way, why did you make us leave Egypt? The Israelites, the complainers, continue saying, didn't we tell you this would happen? While we were still in Egypt, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Let's focus on that line for a second. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I'm sure that most of us can look at that statement and laugh at the Egyptians in hindsight. We say, what are you thinking? Why on earth would you be saying these ridiculous things? That it is better to be a slave? 
I've never heard anybody who has truly been a slave say, you know what, I think that is better. Except for us as Christians. Because often, I think in the Christian life, we want to feel comfortable. Comfort, knowing what's happening, is more important to us than being out in a place where we are actively following God, not knowing what may happen. We want to be back where it was comfortable. You see this in Paul writing to the Romans. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Do you hear that? You, don't, you did not receive a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. A spirit of slavery. The Egyptians, um, excuse me, the Israelites, as they are camped there, as they are out in the desert, have a spirit of slavery, meaning they want to be back where it feels comfortable. They want to be back where they know where their next meal is coming from, where they know what work they're going to have to do, and it doesn't matter how bad it is, it is comfortable. We often want to be in that comfortable spot. We begin to have a spirit of slavery saying, you know what, it just is comfortable here in my sin. I know what's happening. I know what's coming my way. I know I'm being controlled by something. But the fear of being out in the wilderness with God is too much for me to give up what I'm slave to. We are slaves when we allow ourselves to be caught up in what the world is offering us. We are slaves when we listen to the propaganda that's out there saying we need this or that. We are slaves when we get thinking that we are in control of our lives. We are slaves. But God did not give us that spirit. Let me say that again. God did not give us that spirit of slavery. One more time. God did not give us that spirit of slavery. The greatest miracle, I think, as we look at our lives of needing nothing, as we look at our lives of where we don't, feel like we need much of anything, but we want a bunch of stuff. This is where the greatest miracle comes in, where God's power begins to shine. Because I think the greatest miracle is to, in the midst of everything we have, realize our need and become like Christ. To realize in the midst of everything that we have in our lives, in our comfort that we have, to realize that, no, we need to be out there in the wilderness with God. We need to be following God, trusting God, putting ourselves in situations where the only way out 
can happen because God works a miracle. In our lives, we need to realize our need. Our need of Jesus. That is a great miracle. If you look and say, Lord, why don't you do miracles anymore? For me, if I look and I see God leading in one person's life, I say that is a huge miracle. My desire is to believe it to my utter core, to to feel it. Right now I kind of know it, but I want to feel that and know that I'm looking out saying, I see 250 miracles of God sitting here today. Because in the midst of everything that we have, we realize our need and want to become more like Christ. It's interesting because I always think that if I were to see a miracle like a healing or the parting of the sea or something miraculous like that, or like locusts and water into blood and darkness and light and all of the things that they saw in the plagues, you think that that is what it would take to build a stronger faith. But the Egyptians and the Israelites both, within months, not even months, probably just weeks of seeing miraculous things happen, are back thinking, why are we out here in the wilderness? The Israelites, after they crossed the sea, after they crossed the sea and rejoice and sing beautiful songs and praise God, are out there saying, God, why did you bring us out here to die? There's no food. There's no water. Why are we here? We so often forget that God's, we, we, we forget God's power. And we want to see more of it, but we what we do forget is that we are God's greatest miracles when we become like Christ. The key to doing this, though, is important. And this next section of of the story in, in Exodus chapter 14 is powerful. After they complain... Moses tells the people, do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Just stay calm. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. In the midst of what we find ourselves doing, in the midst of our effort working to bring about our own salvation, we often forget to just stand still and watch the Lord rescue us. In that beautiful opening to the Gospel of John, this is said about Jesus, but to all who did not receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
when we get in those positions where the mountain is in front of us and the sea is behind us, when we feel that God has led us in a roundabout way, we need to just be still and realize that the deliverance does not come from my worry or from my effort. The deliverance comes when I stand back and say, God, what are you going to do today? The, the process of saving us is not by anything that we've done or will to do. Salvation comes about only by the will of God. It is God's desire to lead us in a roundabout way to lead us to salvation. It could be a straight way. It could be whatever way God wants to do. But his desire and his will is to lead us to a place where we realize, where we realize that he is in charge of our lives. The Bible tells us in Philippians, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It is only by the power of Christ in our lives that we ever have hope of success. As the Israelites were camped there, fearful of what God would do, or what, what, God had, what would happen to them and what God had brought them into, God was wanting them to realize one thing. What is it that I can do for you? What is it that God can do? And we so often want to forget what God has done. And when we come to the next obstacle, we begin to get worried and fearful again, thinking that God has led us not from one trap, but out of one trap right into another. And the Israelites felt that, forgetting that it is only through God's strength that anything in our life can happen. We are children of God. And God wants us to realize that. Because we often live our lives like we are slaves to fear. We live fearing what is going to happen. We live fearing all the time forgetting that it is by God's will that he has adopted us as his children. He has adopted us as his children and therefore he will do whatever he can to protect us. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 talks about that. It says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What is it that we are fearful of today? What fear is holding us back from realizing and noticing God working in our life? Because we serve a God. We serve a God who is compassionate. Who wants to 
bring us through the sea. And whatever is facing you today, God has a way out. God has a way out for you today. Whether you are caught up in some event or some thought that just you you think that you can't overcome, God is there to say, listen, I am here. You are my child. There is nothing to fear. Our God is a jail-shaking, sea-splitting, storm-calming God who wants to bring peace into our lives. But yet we live our lives like slaves to fear. My challenge today is that you will realize that you are no longer slaves, that you are children of God. If you believe that today, that God can and wants to lead you through things where there can be no other explanation other than said, God did that. Whether it's a mountain that God will move by faith, whether it's a sea that God will split so you can walk through it, whether it's an army that God will remove from your life, God has said, do not fear. Sit back and watch me work. Just be still. If you believe that today, I invite you to sing this amazing chorus again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.